Hello, I'm Mike Labar, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. It is Monday, December 30th. Hope you and your families have had a happy and healthy holiday so far. I'm holding down the fort here at Bloomberg World Headquarters while Scott and Devin sit at home, sipping on eggnog. But I managed to get Scott to join us today from his lovely living room in New Jersey. Scotty, how's it going, buddy? See, now you said sipping on eggnog. Now you hurt my feelings, Bar. The only thing, pathetically, that I've been sipping this week is Sudafed. Because whatever, whatever you had, I finally take some time off and I come down with a massive sinus infection. This is the first day I can breathe through my nose in a week. See, I feel bad now. I'm Good. sorry. I want everybody feeling bad for me. <laughs> I do, man. <laughs> <laughs> but not as bad as some of the NFL coaches, but I'm sure we're going to. Oh, my. Oh, boy. And we're going to talk about that uh, coming up a bit later. But before we get started, some quick housekeeping. We're here today, but the podcast will take the day off Wednesday for New Year's Day. Then we're back on Thursday, bringing you the Bloomberg Business of Sports show every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Well, let's get to some of the stories we're watching today in the world of sports business. Yes, a big, big upset in the NFL yesterday. My goodness, the New England Patriots lost to the Miami Dolphins. And there's word that there's a guy who made a bet at William Hill for over $74,000, according to Darren Ravel. Uh, And he put that on the uh, straight-up money line for the Patriots to win. Do you understand those bets? I mean, it's such little return. It can't be the way that any pro gambler would tell you to go. Now, here's the reason why he made this bet, according to what he's thinking or what some supporters are saying. They're saying, where else in three hours can you get over 6% return on your investment? And you're thinking it's a sure thing. Well, when you gamble, there's no such thing as a sure thing. Yeah, that's what I would tell them. That's why they call it gambling. Just the risk for the return on that wager doesn't make any sense. But you and I will both agree, we understand New England Patriots at home. It's not like they were playing for nothing. They were playing for a bye week, which every NFL player covets for sure. Playing against the Dolphins, let's just say, have not had the greatest season. A little bit better lately, but not the greatest season in NFL history. You would think that Tom Brady and the boys would figure out a way to win this one. However, they did not. So guess what? They get to play a wild card game. Good for CBS, right? They get to show the Patriots prime time on Saturday. Hello, Titans Patriots. They'll take it. This hasn't happened in a long time where the Patriots are actually in that spot where they're playing without a bye. This happened in, what, almost 10 years. A dozen years, yeah. Well, I'm going to go back to my youth when the Islanders won their four Stanley Cups. Every year, you can see when you get towards the end of these things, every year it gets a little bit harder, like, oh, it took more games. They didn't win quite as many. And that's what I think what I'm seeing with the Patriots here, that this was a clear indication that all the talk about this team isn't as talented as the past seems to be true because the Patriots of old would not have lost this game. And it is a very big deal in the NFL to have a week off, a bye week, versus having to play and then go on the road and play some pretty darn good clubs probably Kansas City, Baltimore, that is not an easy road to a repeat Super Bowl. 
Speaking of having a bye week, you know who else has a bye week now? San Francisco. And I know that because uh, my alarm clock went off at 11.30 p.m. Because I have to get up to hit the road at 11.30 p.m. And 15 seconds later, my wife donning a Ronnie Lott jersey comes in screaming, saying, oh, we won, we won, we won. And, of course, the Lions lost, which is just rubs it in all over the place. But uh, San Francisco, they've, they're have they looking pretty good. Stop me if you've heard this before, but the Seahawks have the ball at the one-yard line late in the game. Marshawn Lynch is a member of the team and what do you think we should do with this? <laughs> Stop me if you heard this before, Michael Barnes. Does it sound familiar to you? Uh, yes, it does. <laughs> Speaking of... How do, you, how do you get a delay of game penalty? How yeah. does that happen? I, I, you're not going to get any argument from me. By the way, yeah. coaches fired too. Uh, and let's start with Pat Shermer. Uh, the Giants have said, listen, it's been real. It's been two years, uh, but uh, you got to go. Yeah, I mean, Shermer now, uh, Freddie Kitchens in Cleveland. Previously, we had Jay Gruden and Ron Rivera. What are you doing right now if you're Jason Garrett, your phone rings, and it, and it says, you know, Jay Jones? Uh, do you pretend you're in a tunnel? Do you, do you not pick up? You know, you got to wonder, is he next? But, Barr, let's talk about this from a business perspective, because this happens every year, right? I mean, it's Black Monday for a reason in the NFL that all these coaches get fired. Where is the business planning? What? You would think stability matters. If you are an owner, you need to find yourself a head of football operations, GM, whatever, who can work with the coach that you believe in and empower them that they can have the time to implement whatever strategies it is. I always go back to Larry Miller, the late Larry Miller with the Utah Jazz who never quite got over the hump of Michael Jordan. They could not win the NBA championship. But they didn't fire Jerry Sloan. They understood it was a talent problem, or they were facing Michael. Then look at Popovich in San Antonio. These really good teams seem to understand that if you empower these coaches, and if you get the right guy, and if you repeatedly are getting the wrong guy, don't you have to look at yourself? Why are you changing coaches every year or two? That is a failure of management. That is a failure at the top. That is the problem for the owner. And they need to look inward and say, what do I need to do to fix this? I need to find the right person and give them the time to get it right. Up next, a story from our colleague Evan Novi williams looking at the Clemson Tigers now while they may be winning on the field. And I'm sure Ohio State is like, I wish you hush up about this story. But Clemson is not winning when it comes to the cash. No. Clemson, guess what they made in profit? Profit now. $7.6 million. A lot of money, yes. But in the world of big-time college football, not so much. And I always love when Evan puts in those open records requests through the state schools that he can get all the information, and, and, and he's done it. So Clemson, $7.6 million in profit. Let's, let's look at the other teams that were in the Final Four bar. Ready? Oklahoma, $73.3 million. The Ohio State University, $64.6 million. LSU, $55 million. you got to look at Clemson and say, we are a fraction 
of all of what these other schools are bringing in. Now I'm going to give you the chance, Barter, to give me some of the factors as to why Clemson has such a shortfall. I was thinking about that. I'm just wondering if part of it is simply because uh, the TV rights just aren't there. There you go. I mean, I, I'm a Syracuse guy, as you know. Syracuse switched over to the ACC. Uh, they just don't command the types of dollars that the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the SEC do. That's number one. And Clemson, of course, is the smallest of the four schools that were in, in the Final Four. Their ticket sales were $25 million. That was the lowest total uh, Ohio State sold 60. I mean, right there, 25 million in tickets versus 60. There's a reason why Michigan's called the big house. But the media is big. Um, they just they just don't even, by the way, there's two sides to being to profit. You have the revenue you bring in, right? And there's also the expenses that you incur. So it wouldn't it be funny that the team with the lowest revenue also has the highest football-related <laughs> expenses? I mean, and start with the coach, Dabo Sweeney, makes $93 million. He's got a $93 million deal. He's the highest paid coach in the country. So that, of course, will bite into your profit. And as we're seeing, it certainly is. And finally, let's stay in college football to talk about the upcoming title game, a battle between two of the best QBs in the game, Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. Who you got? Just give me that. We never do this, Bar. Who you got? I got to go with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Yes. Okay. Uh, you like LSU. You like yes, the team. I do. I do. It's this is. I tell you, man. LSU. It, Clemson. It, don't get me wrong. I, I love Clemson, but in, in fact, I picked them uh, over Ohio State. I didn't put any money on it because it was too close. But I, I love LSU. I think they're going to knock it out of the park. All right, but this is. <laughs> I would say, if if I'm Joe Burrow, you're the likely number one pick, right? Yes, yeah, that's, that's where I'm going right, okay. with it. You always need, okay, so you're likely number one pick. Here is the business part of this story. If you're Trevor Lawrence, what are you doing next season, Michael Barr? Are you returning? Are you returning to earn or help earn all that money for your university while you get nothing? And I do not mean to take shots at uh, the athletic directors who say, you know, the price of a scholarship. I get it. However, he is certainly risking far more by playing football uh, at Clemson than by not playing. And remember, this is an NFL rule. This is negotiated between the NFL and the NFLPA that a player cannot enter the draft until three years after his high school graduation. So we're going on year two for Trevor Lawrence. So he has to wait another year. He cannot go to the NFL. The, the question is, do you go back and play? And we are seeing lots of star players skipping bowl games. Are we going to see a star player skip an entire season? Think about it. He could go out and get an internship with an NFL team and watch film and be on a practice field and become probably a markedly better football player by not playing at Clemson and simply preparing for the NFL. Your thoughts? See, I I disagree with that. I understand where you're going with it, and it makes perfect sense. But Lawrence still has much to learn. If he played another season – he can iron all that out. And now, then that following season, when you when the draft comes up for the 2021 draft, now you're going to be a number one quarterback drafted in that lot. He's going to be the number one pick uh, the following year, whether he goes to Clemson or not. My point is, I agree he has more to learn, but couldn't he learn more by sitting in a pro setting every day and practicing with pro players and, and watching pro tape and working with pro coaches and preparing his body for the pro game? rather than a season at Clemson. And by, by the way, you can always just say, listen, I like the college experience too. 
You could make the argument, Barr, that simply going back because you enjoy college is a way to go because it certainly is a fun time uh, before football becomes a job, although I could make the argument even at the college level, it is a job because of all the time and pressure that is associated with it. You could make that argument. I just don't know, even with all the insurance that he can get, it's worth going back to college, putting all that money in somebody else's pocket in a position, by the way, where he is a sitting duck target. Let's not forget the other team's quarterback must go down and he must go down hard. And he is the target every single time he steps on that field. That does it for today's podcast. I'm Michael Barr, along with a hopped-up on NyQuil, Scott Soshnick. DayQuil right now. DayQuil. I didn't want to be too uh, sleepy for you. But we are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online where you get your podcasts.